Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here. Glad to have your ears this morning. How is everybody doing? I trust you're doing just fine. We're going to have a great program for you today. Like usual, my brothers and my sisters, we are going to talk. Please do remember this is a call-in show, 713-526-5738. Again, that number. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's 713-526-5738. You don't have to wait till the end to call. Just give us a call and Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Let us know whatever you want to talk about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what, though? Of course, I always have subjects to cover with you. But if you want to change it because this is your show, you can always do so. Anyhow, how are my two brothers in the control room doing this morning? Well, we're considering hijacking the show today and talking about the Supreme Court decision that happened yesterday. Well, you know what? That is the topic, the first topic that we are going to be discussing anyway. So that is great. Now we we don't have to hijack the show. Well, here's a deal. I want to get my spiel out. uh, And I I really let me let me first tell you this. okay? before we get started, uh, this is what having great teams are all about, man. Um, I want, I want to express a few things about uh, affirmative action. And I then want your most, in, uh, the, 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 your opinion, your feelings, including that of the audience. Because I think a lot of these issues we have not looked at from a real honest point of view, we have allowed the corporations to, and I, I bring corporations up for a specific reason to use it as a, as a, as a wrong tool. If you, if you, uh, if you, I'd like to say with the universities, etc. So I really want us to not take on this issue as the polarized issue. Many would want it to be and take it on as an honest practical issue. But anyhow, I, I wow, well, I see a phone rang already. Amazing. Uh, anyway, right. uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's let's go ahead and get your spiel, get a little from from Jack, and then I'm going to get into my monologue. Well, I think that affirmative action was a good plan. It was designed to level the playing field a little bit. But I don't think in practical application, it worked really well. It's like uh, communism. Communism works on paper. It doesn't always work in practical application. It didn't do what it was supposed to do entirely. It did help some, uh, help level the playing field just a little bit. But as far as the, being the answer to a lot of things, I'm not sure that it was. All right. I'm, I'm glad that didn't you didn't put that, that caveat. I'm not sure that it did what it was supposed to do. 
I so am that's... glad that you raised it, and I'm glad that you took that particular point of view, Brother Howard, because I want to add to that, and I want to kind of expand on that. But before we go to Gloria, let me ask, uh, I ask Brother Jack Van Beber for his thought of the morning. Well, I was going to fuss at you for uh, not leaving Jack out. Oh, I, no, I don't never, have I would never <laughs> leave Jack out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jack is my morning, Jack Gary is my Joe. brother from another mother. Come on, Jack, talk to me. Yes. Good morning. Uh, yeah, you asked yesterday about uh, different words for for uh, vulture capitalism because we yeah. really don't want to insult vultures around here. <laughs> we <laughs> like know? them. And I and I had I had several, but one even starts with a V. So you okay. know, some of them were uh, parasitic capitalism or just flat thieves. Um, gun in your face, capital, granny cheating capitalism. But I settled on, and me and Howard settled on vampire capitalism. Oh yeah. my God! You know something? Uh, how? Sucking I mean, the blood Jack. Out. <laughs> wait, wait. Let me ask you this: Who came up with the idea of vampire capitalism? Oh, Jack did. Jack? Yeah. You're going to see a whole list of them. Well, Jack, we, the list is done, man, because I love the V, the v letter. But secondly, that is what you're going to see in my blogs going forward. Vampire capitalism. I love it. We'll talk about it, but let's go to Gloria. I do not have Gloria waiting all this time. Gloria, come on in. I want to talk about the Travis Green. Is it Travis Green, the situation at the Astro? Uh, what do you want to talk about? About the incident that happened in Astroworld, I'm glad they didn't charge them for that because I felt like it was just too many people. Okay. Uh, uh, turn your radio down, uh, Gloria. All right, go ahead, Gloria. The people. Yeah, they just had too many people there, and then they said a lot of people were jumping the fence. Uh huh. It was just too many people, and, and I feel, and we had never had nothing like that before. They have that type of concert. They had concert like that, like in the seventies, you know, like the hippie type of thing. Uh-huh. We had never had something like that. And I passed there yesterday, and I looked. I'm like, that wasn't enough room. Right to have all those. Yeah. Well, I, Gloria, I. I wasn't. I'm not up on the story. Let me just tell you, I didn't get. I didn't get the news that that they they didn't charge these guys. Uh, I guess they didn't charge the people who they had, had the function. They had a whole thirty minute uh, uh, public, uh, what you call it, a news conference yesterday. Probably okay. About thirty minutes news yesterday. Oh. Okay. And they, uh, they yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, I I I don't. I'm not up on the story, but I'm glad that uh, you know somebody who's been there feel that that way that they didn't charge folks that shouldn't be charged. So I'm with you there, and thank you for bringing that up on the on the program. All right, Gloria. Uh, okay, you're welcome. You have a wonderful rest of your day, my friend. Okay, all right. Let me go ahead and get started. The title of the show today is. The Scudder's attack on civil rights continues. Why private insurance must die and Cheney's truth. All right. We're going to start the topic with the affirmative action issue. But before we get started, I want to tell a personal story. And the, uh, um, I am a, first of all, I'm a, I define myself as an Afro-Latino Caribbean man. I'm walking the streets of Houston. 
I'm just a black man. Okay. Now, uh, when I, I went to the University of Texas back in the 80s, and I, I must say, I've, I was comfort, very comfortable at the University of Texas, but I went through a lot of tribulations, a lot of tribulations simply because of my hue, my color, my race, whatever you want to call it. I, by the way, I want folks to understand, I think race is a stupid thing. Because the reality is one's pigmentation has little to do with one's intellect, biology, or anything else. That is, uh, any scientist would tell you that. That's a fact. Now, our economic system depended on splitting people up, people being against each other. We, we could go through a lot of histories that right now is not germane to this particular discussion, but I'd like you to take at face value that particular statement that I said, race is a stupid thing. Race has no value. We have instituted race so that a few on top can stay powerful. We instituted race and a lot of the other isms for that particular reasons. Now, at the University of Texas, many, I got into many issues with professors, etc. Again, the way papers were graded and all of that, that I could categorically, I'm not saying playing a race card or anything like that, I could categorically prove these issues were racially based. I, I had some great white friends at the University of Texas who stopped me many a times in my hot head days. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From getting into trouble, because again, meaning, you know, maybe confronting a teacher in the wrong, a professor in the wrong way, etc. These guys like Egberto, chill out. We understand. Look, we're with you. We understand, you know, just we, we've got your back. So let me just tell you on face value, those are issues that I went through. Now, when it comes to affirmative action, when I went to the University of Texas, the school was a, well, it's, you know, it's a very, very monolithically white school. Uh, I loved the school. The school is a great school, etc. But uh, one of the things that really irked me many a times is that most of the white kids that were at that school believed that I was there because of this thing called affirmative action. So I was never looked at by most as somebody who earned the right to be at the top public university in Texas. I was always looked at as the affirmative 
hire, if you will, the affirmative student there. That plays a part on one's psyche if one's psyche isn't strong enough. It, 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 it can have issues to believe, well, look, I do my work. I am smart. I am all these things. But still, the body generally thinks you're only there because some external force says that somebody, that, that somebody with your hue, with your color, with your race needs to be there. As such, when I left the University of Texas, I hated affirmative action. This black dude, when he left the University of Texas, hated affirmative action. I got, my, I got several offers for jobs when I left the, the, um, with the University of Texas. And by the way, my scores at UT weren't exceptional because, of course, um, I worked 40 hours a week as I, as I went to school as well. I never did homeworks in many classes. Homeworks was 25% of the class. I fudged it. Uh, but anyhow, I, I did, I knew the material very well. I, I did very well, uh, comparatively when I got into, uh, to the workforce, this was my experience. I went ahead and I got a job in Louisiana run trucks because of issues with my back. They told me after all, we can't keep you on, but go to Houston and interview for this job. My first experience were twofold. The job that I interviewed for, from, on paper, I was not qualified for. It was for a uh, senior programmer analyst that I didn't have. While I did a lot of programming back in school, in fact, I wrote a program to control a, uh, a ship in the middle of the ocean in Fortran with the windage and, and waves and that sort of stuff. I didn't have the title computer masters in computer science. After I got that interview with this great, great woman who herself was, a, was, you know, fighting her way in the good old boy network in the oil industry, she heard the whole history. She asked the right question. She, she, she made sure that, oh my God, can you really do this job? And she was enthralled and, and she went to the VP of the organization and said, this is the guy that I want to do this job. It was for a, a system, uh, TDS-11, never forgot the name of the system, uh, on a PDP-11 computer system. Anyhow, uh, this was my, my second experience. After, after feeling like I got the luck of the draw that this woman really thought that I could do this job and she wanted to hire me, my second experience was going into the office of the VP of this particular organization, uh, sitting down, him closing the door behind me, and it just felt weird. And he looked and he said, and I won't use her name, but he said, she likes you. She thinks you are going to excel at this job. I don't know why, but I want to tell you something, man to man. You got six months, and if you don't make it, I don't want to hear a damn thing about affirmative action. That was my entry into the workforce in the United States of America. A 22-year-old kid, and notice I said kid, green behind the ear, 22-year-old. That was my introduction to the system. I told, uh, suffice it to say, 
it was a load. I am sitting down there and it wasn't like welcome to the corporation. It wasn't welcome to a great company to do great things or it that was not my entry into the company. So as you can imagine, I hated affirmative action even more because now I understood that I'm in that job and what it was going to mean to me as far as how my peers were going to look at me. That six-month project was completed in its full potential successfully in two months. The lady who said she saw that I could do the job walked into my office and said, let me tell you something. Forget all the crap this guy told you. You are here, brother. Well, she didn't say brother, but, you know, she said you are here and moved on from there. But all the while, I always felt that pressure that everybody looking at me before they saw my work thought I was there solely for affirmative action. I hated it. I hated affirmative action. I then remember, uh, you know, having a going, going, you know, we used to have, you know, we were young. We used to have all these great parties and there are times I was a bartender, even though I didn't drink, but, uh, uh, we'd have these big parties and we'll get into big arguments about political issues and all of that. And I was the all, the one that they would always call a Republican. I was never associated with either Republicans or Democrats, but they would call me a Republican because I was, I had this anti-affirmative action thing on my shoulder because I hated that that is how I was going to be judged. So um, this guy, one time, uh, he was working for Channel 13. And he was a reporter for Channel 13. And, you know, he, you know, they had issues at 13 with, you know, with minority reporters and that kind of stuff. And then he came to me and he said, uh, you're an idiot. You are a buffoon. And he, he, he ragged me. And he said, I'm, I'm tell you what, whenever you change your mind, you give me a call. And I remember when I changed my mind. I, 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 don't, I, I don't remember the exact flip point, but I remember thinking, oh my God. And I don't remember what is it that triggered it. But I remember thinking, oh my God, the reason I got into the University of Texas was in fact affirmative action. The reason I even got the job at that company was because of affirmative action. It's not that I couldn't do the job. It's not that I wasn't qualified for the job. It's not that I wasn't smart enough for the University of Texas and they made that choice to come and pick me up. But it was that they had affirmative action said, look, this, we cannot just because the managers and the educators or whatever are more comfortable with people who look like them, only consider people who look like them. And the second thing, in a pool of, let's say, white people where there, are, there will always be enough white people to qualify for any one job, there are white people who will keep another white person out of a job because there are only X amount of slots, just as another black person likely would have kept another 
qualified white, a qualified black person would have kept a qualified white person out of a job. In other words, that white person that got that got that was qualified but wasn't chosen over that black person or that same white person could probably not have been chosen because of another white person. It's the thing about having uh, about having X amount of slots and a hell of a lot of people going after that slots and affirmative action saying, look, in, in a system where it has always been biased against the other, we have to create structures that in that pool of qualified people, we can have diversity in this organization. It's not about picking, it's, 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 it's a systemic issue, but in solving the systemic issue, you don't want to bring unqualified people in. Why do I make that distinction now? What many corporations have done is as they are doing their hires, and this goes for universities, I'm doing it from a perspective of corporations, but it goes with universities as well. As they are doing their hires, they are not seeking the most qualified applicant of any particular, on, they're, they're seeking the qualified applicants, yes, but they're not, see, when they're, they're going Again, affirmative action issues and going looking for race. They don't necessarily seek that qualified person, that qualified BIPOC. And what does that do to that white person who was qualified for that job, but that BIPOC, that black person, that Latino person who was less qualified got the job? It creates an anti-affirmative action stance based on a lot of what my own experience was that uh, that backlash thinking you are only there because of the color of your skin, because of your ethnicity, and not because you, like anybody else, deserve to be there. Every job that I've had and I, before I went solo, and by the way, I only worked for corporate America for five years. I could take it no longer and form my own software company, but I could only take it for five years. The reason, the reason affirmative action gets that bad act is on purpose. Corporations in doing their hire too often. Earlier, my brother Howard said it's, they, they had a good idea, but uh, too often it didn't work as it was supposed to. It wasn't the affirmative action that was the issue. The issue was, the, was always those who are implementing affirmative action, not doing what the, the work. And many of the work that wasn't done had to do within, with the intrinsic racism of the people who are doing the interview proper. Let me give an example. Many a times, I would be qualified for a job, but because of racism of the person who is directing the job, they wouldn't want you for the, for the problem as, well, since you know something, I, there's, I definitely don't want a BIPOC in here who is going to show me up as if that is not going to happen with 
a non-BIPOC showing this particular person up. And too often what that means is that the most qualified BIPOC, black person, Latino person, indigenous person, doesn't get selected because not of affirmative action, but because of that person's own misgivings, that person's own implicit racism, prejudice, or otherwise. And that screws the whole pot up. So now what we get is many white people wouldn't just come out and say, I hate affirmative action because I feel it discriminates against me. I mean, a lot of folks have been made to believe that, that that is what happens. They don't say that if it's a white person getting that job, uh, that kicked them out of the job, because again, that's not the framing that those demagogues are going to use. It's not the framing. They, the framing that that real, real racist, prejudiced folks are going to do to get good people on their side, good white people on their side, good everybody on their side, is to point out, you lost your job because they gave it to some unqualified other. So when I find white folks that are against affirmative action, my first point of view isn't to say, you're racist or, 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 or to believe that. It's to say, there goes our efficient system that creates racists again. It's racist, racism is not a real, or, or, or rather race is not a real thing. But my God, it has created real problems by design. A lot of folks don't like to hear me say that, uh, you know, uh, racism, you know, race is a stupid thing or whatever, because people have this great attachment to that stupid color thing. They have that great attachment to supremacy of the way you look. When in reality, there are very few people who are simply teaching you to think that way so that they can have full control with you fighting everything else, but fighting that which holds you down. It's not affirmative action that has hold people down. I want to talk about, if you really thought about certain things, right? If you go into a, into a university, there's this thing known as legacy, legacy enrollment. In other words, you get a, you get a push ahead. We used to be, let me stop for a second. We used to do a, when I worked on, on, on the board of Move to a Man, we would create skits that for people to do to show how people move along in life, the average person. And we'll line everybody up, a completely multicultural group. And we will ask about 10 questions about their life situation and how, they, how things happened in their lives. And we would say things like, step one step forward, if this happened in your life, stay where, you at, where you're at, if this happened in your life, or take one step backwards if, you, if this happened in, in your life. And after we did that test, it was amazing, and it was, a, it was a graphical way to show how systemic racism, systemic prejudice has worked in this country. You can find that experiment all over the internet now. In fact, I saw a TikTok on it, and I said, hey, wait a minute. We used to do that at Move to Amend. But anyway, it, you, you would see it. But anyway, going, going, going back to the subject at hand, when the Supreme Court made that change, Notice it had no effect on things like legacy enrollments. 
Legacy enrollment says if you were a part of this institution, your parents, that is, you will get an edge up on everybody else who's applying for that institution, right? So therefore, there are two things that legacy does, right? Legacy hurts the other white qualified people just like they think the other white qualified people think that uh, getting a notch for being a BIPOC to get into that institution holds a pool of qualified white people out. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's another edge that you get up, right? But I have yet to see too many people complain about the legacy issue. But I will add one thing to the legacy issue. The legacy issue is also a racist issue. And how is the legacy issue racist? The University of Texas, my school, let's start with my school. The University of Texas never allowed BIPOCs in there. Black people, Latinos, uh, other people of color could not go to the University of Texas. What that means is that the, the, the vast majority, if not all, of the legacy points, in other words, the, the advantage you get from being a legacy person, only applied to white people. So there you go, right? A legacy thing that right now the Supreme Court did nothing about, built into that legacy program, is implicit, systemic racism. Why? Because at the time these legacy programs came into the fold, black folks couldn't go to those universities. As such, what that meant, again, is within that structure proper, within the legacy structure proper, it is implicitly racist because all those points for legacy goes to one group of folk. At the, you know, at the inception, of course, now that I went to the University of Texas, if the legacy program is still there, my daughter should get it. Although I don't think that applies to the University of Texas. But anyhow, you see my point. So uh, my point, the whole issue here is the Supreme Court in, in, in adapting the fallacy about affirmative being a racist Entity, in other words, discriminating against white people, being uh, using race to get folks into the college, makes absolutely no sense. And what it really does is what we see is happening in California. California, what occurred is they went completely race neutral, and what happened immediately is their black population fell by forty-four percent. Their uh, their indigenous population fell by 90%. Again, it's not about somebody not being there. It is about, and, 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 and again, that is a California, this wasn't a Supreme Court decision in California. It was the people of California after being miseducated by racists on what uh, these issues really are. So do I blame the average citizens of California? No, I don't. I blame ill education, miseducation. And why am I honored to be having a platform on a place like KPFT or on the internet or anywhere else? Because without any stresses, without any external forces, 
We can honestly have a discourse. We can honestly discuss what these issues really are and not how the, uh, the plutocracy, the corporatocracy would try to use it to create divisions among us. And end of my monologue. And before I go to Johnny, I'd like to hear a little piece from my brother, from another mother, Howard. Talk to me, brother. Okay, Joel Egberto, I was sitting here thinking, listening to your monologue, and uh, I have been a victim of discrimination myself. I got a job in 1980, part-time job, worked my way up to a full-time job. And in 1983, I was cut loose because I was not black. And that is exactly what they told me. They said, well, we need a black person in your spot. You're not black, so you're out. I said, okay. So while applying for a job, I applied at a black radio station. And one here in town, guy calls me up. He says, hey, is this your air check? Plays a little bit of it. I said, yeah. He goes, well, you're seriously being considered for a job here. I said, oh, that's good. He goes, well, first, are you black or are you white? I said, well, I'm white. He says, oh, well, we'll get back to you. And I'm still waiting for him to get back to me. So it works both ways. Uh, discrimination, probably not so much towards white people, but uh, I've been discriminated against myself. Did I hold it against affirmative action? Did I hold it against black people? No, of course not. It's just one of those things where, well, I wasn't meant to work there. So I just went on and worked somewhere else. So it, 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 a lot of it depends on how you react to it. It's like, oh, okay, you're, just, you're doing this to me because I'm black. No, not necessarily. But you that, don't, believe that, don't be that the first thought that you have. Like, well, maybe I'm not qualified for this job. Or maybe I need to work somewhere else. And if, and if, you, if they're discriminating against you because you're a certain color or a certain uh, orientation, do you really want to work there anyway? That would be the question I would have to ask. So that's my input for today. And I think uh, Jack has something to say, too. Yeah, before Jack comes in, though, I do want to address uh, that because I think I, I, I made mention about that. Remember I said uh, implementation and not the policy? Uh, implementation oh, yes, yes, exactly. and not the policy. Because uh, that, that, that pers- your boss, and I, I don't know your situation at all, but if a boss comes to you and tells you, you are fired because we need a black person in the job, that is definitely the implementation a stupid implementation, and to put it bluntly, that's a racist implementation of of uh, of affirmative action. And a lot of time, that is done punitively. In other words, uh, they may have been told, you know, we need to get this place diverse. Next opening coming up, we need to look hard for a black person. But instead, the person says, ah, I hate that idea. I'm going to show you. I'm going to get rid of the guy that really knows what the hell he's doing here. And we're going to bring an <laughs> un- incompetent black guy into this place now. And you're going to see. You want to I hire a black guy. Look at what happening now. Look at what happening now. You got rid of Howard, good white dude, and now you're, you know. So what I'm saying, Howard, is, look. Oh yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with you, and you were dead on in your analysis there. Uh, and, and, it's not necessarily it's the implementation. It's the right. interpretation the employer has. Oh, I need to do this. No, you don't. And let me let me let me interrupt here another while, um, uh, Howard, because I want our audience and Johnny, I'm coming to you, but I need to go to Van Beber first and then I come to you, Johnny. But here's the thing that I, I, I want to address. You and I are I would call us great friends now. And I, I think unless all of us start discussing these issues 
not from I'm a white guy, I'm a black guy, I can't say this stuff to Egberto is this black dude. I can't really say what I'm really feeling to this black dude because what is he going to think about me, etc.? That is bull. Remember, uh, my concept of race is that it is stupid. So th therefore, those of us that have this stupid thing called race should all be interacting. That's the biggest fear that the plutocracy has, yeah. that yeah. we sit down and sensibly have these conversations because hurt is hurt is hurt. Go ahead, Van Bibber. Yes, Egberto. Uh, I was, I was, I was trying to to understand what you your monologue was about and your your difficulty in working with that that first employer. And it seems to me it's like you feel kind of an inequality with your other employee peers. Yes, and my and let me. I'm glad that you ask it that way because I want to be clear there clear about this. I was just as competent at my job as any other person there. And I knew it. Black people uh, know these things, right? Latino people know these things. We know we are just as competent, right? But there's one other thing that we do know. We do know that there are many white people out there that are looking at us because they were ill-informed, they were misinformed, they were misaggregated, and they are looking at us as being unqualified for that position. Okay, and, and it, it, it does have stresses as well when you know you are just as qualified, but you also know that the masses in that job or, or wherever look at you as being an affirmative action baby and that you're only there because the government says you need to be there. And that, that just like people have stresses from other things, that is a stress knowing that as you are talking or as you are having lunch with your fellow, uh, with your fellow job, your fellow, uh, person at that oh, job, okay. knowing that that person is looking at you saying, yeah, Birdo, I like you, but you know, I know you only damn well here because you black. I know you're only here because they had to have an affirmative action baby here. I know that. And, and that, that grinds on you because it's, it's what's not said. And that's why I interrupted Howard here. And I said, these are the conversations we should have. Not, not being scared of folks saying, if Howard say this, Howard is a damn racist. Never. Would you, you, you have to be able to have these discussions openly. Go ahead, Van Bibber. Uh, yeah, you know, these these policies, they come come up with the names of them like affirmative action. You know, it sounds good on the surface, but when it work, when it actually gets to working on the people, it works a little different. And, and I believe it sowed a little resentment, you know, in, in, in us white people, because we were feeling displaced in in getting our jobs. But in the 80s, jobs were everywhere. I had no problem getting jobs. And the positive thing of this is I got to meet a lot of nice island boys that could really work really well. And I really admired their style, you know, and their attitudes. Uh, now, and this was Jack, instruction. I, yes. I, I want to interrupt you for one thing, because there's something that you just said there that I want to explore. You just said um, a lot of us white people, which is right, feel displaced. Legitimately so, right? That's how you feel, right? 
Yes. Okay. Now let me ask you to th- let me throw that the other direction. Uh, I want you now to wear the skin of the black person who doesn't even have the ability to feel displaced, but the ability that no matter what they are doing, they just wasn't placed. You feel you talk about displaced. Let's talk about even being placed. You see, you see how the you see how these things can be used against folks in a way when we don't frame it correctly. You know, in other words, if society, if the if the society, if the corporations, if, all, if, if they don't frame it together, they they would they would solely say, uh, you know, white people are feeling displaced. It's like how they give Trump a pass. White people feel that the country is changing and they're no longer in the in, in the superior role. They're no longer in this particular role. Well, why why do we need to feel that way? Why don't we want to feel in an equitable way? I mean, uh, Jack, let me ask you a, a, a sort of a personal question. Uh, do do you feel uh, do uh, why 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 do some people think let's say if they have a, uh, a a white boss that is mistreating them as opposed to a black boss that they'll go ahead and take the white boss over the black box? You see what I'm saying? We it's a frame that we have to teach ourselves out of because of what was impacted into our brains. Your thoughts? Well, my experience has been that. I was discriminated more against more from white people than I w- ever had any experience with black people, you know, cause they're the ones that are the bosses in power. Right. And the administrators. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I came from Deer Park, which was basically all white until the mid seventies when we, we had our first black students come in there, but they ran me out of high school long before that. <laughs> you know, Jack, you were probably a terror, man. You were probably a terror. I've got, dude. About, I've got yeah. about one or two sentences to add. Jack. Oh, man, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, honestly, in my, in my experience, I have worked for, Black men as managers. I have worked for white men as managers, white women, and I've worked for Hispanic women. Uh, and honestly, the black managers were cool. They didn't even, they said, okay. And one of the things about me is I know what to do. You don't have to stand over me and say, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. I know what to do. I manage, I work best when I manage least. Is give me the assignment, tell me what you want, when it's due, and then get the hell out of the way. That's how I work. And the black managers were always that way. They said, okay, we want you to do this. All right. When do you want it? Tomorrow. Okay. It was done that afternoon. So it just depends on the man. It depends on the manager. So we there need to go. get to Johnny here before Johnny falls asleep on the phone. <laughs> yeah, let's go to go. Let's go to Johnny. Come on in, brother Johnny. Speaking of brother Johnny falling asleep on the phone, today was supposed to be my day off, but that's okay. <laughs> take- you never take a day off. I'll take off. I'll take off Monday. Okay, so, and don't be predicting my call when I'm doing something else and I hear you speak my name. That is really uh, stimulating. <laughs> Uh, I I actually like Howard's realization at one point when it occurs to him that maybe that's not a place he wants to work at. So good for Howard. That's points for that. And, and Alberto, you said something right before him, right before he made that realization that I also agree with. You guys are both right. 
But remember yesterday, the idea about retroactivity for uh, student loan uh, payback. Yes. Relief program. I told you about how we should include retroactivity. And yes. why? Because that's a good way to sell it. And that's not the only reason why. If you name that segment of the program educational reparations, and you have a separate tech included with people's tax IRS refund in April, they get when that guy who uh, told you that first fire says, I don't want to hear about reparations. When guys like that open up their tax refund envelope in April and they get their tax refund back, and then they see the second check with educational reparations printed across the top, and it represents 50 or 60% of the student loans that they paid two decades, three decades ago. That's a way of taking back the language from Frank Lunt. And not only does it annoy Republicans in Washington, which is a bonus for me, but it's a way to again, take the language back and start reordering people's thinking about what does reparations really mean. Reparations discussions will then have a different number when they go back and they think about the educational reparations they received as ugly white men. You know, you know something, John, you always have... Uh a way to, to tease people into, uh, in, into accepting things, into doing things, or a, a way that, that, that they can look at it in a different manner. You know, I like that. I, I honestly do. like how you think. <laughs> That's why we're brothers from different mothers. That's why we're brothers from different mothers, Johnny. That is why we're brothers from different mothers. Anything else you want to add, my dear brother? No, I'm going to now resume the rest of my day off. Have a good day. All, All right. Thank you very much, Johnny. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation. I, I would love to get some calls with people's honest thoughts. Not, that, not thoughts that you think I want to hear. I would like your honest opinions, whether you agree, you disagree. My brother, Roberto Lewis, is in the house. He says, I'm fitting that every day in the system that is designed other uh, for competency when other cultures with brilliance of intelligence keep getting passing over to workforce uh, he's trying to, to, to talk about black and Hispanics and the, and the nature and issues that we've gone through uh, my brother served in, in, uh, in Iraq with distinction uh, serving for this country and in, in, in his belief and in how it should be we should all have equal access to success my mi hermano de panama mi hermano de panama anyhow folks i'd like your thoughts 713-526-5738 this is type this is the type of subject that folks are generally scared to talk about because everybody thinks if i make a mistake and say the wrong thing on i want us to get over that crap uh, that feeling that you're scared to say the wrong thing or that somebody's going to look at you and think you're a racist or somebody's going to look at you and, and uh, uh, whoever you are or, or, you know, and I'm talking both directions or whatever. I would like to hear your thoughts, folks. Latinos, llamame. Black folk, llamame. White folk, llamame. So call me. Llamame means call me. Call me. I, 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 think, I think what we have done as a society is it is let, keep people fearful about talking about these types of issues honestly. I mean, we talk about it all, all day long, right? But we misinform all day long. I can listen to MSNBC and listen to progressives talk about race stuff 
And then I'm going to a huge progressive conference in a couple weeks. In uh, the biggest progressive conference in a couple weeks I'm heading to. And while we are going to be doing a whole lot of talking about, in fact, I know this, this issue is going to come up. Nobody's going to really sit down in a round table or in, a, in, in one of these offsets, in one of these uh, breakout panels. Nobody's going to really sit down and honestly say, I am going to open up everybody and say, this is how we really need to deal with this issue. We've allowed the plutocracy, the people that runs, run the country, the people that run the Western culture, we've allowed them to, 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 to lay a platform for a few to keep power. And within that platform came all the isms. Within that platform came all the isms. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Only Johnny calls so far wanting to discuss this subject. So what I'm going to do, I, I have... A, Oh, God. The, the next thing that I had to play was, well, I have a three-minute video. I was going to play. I, I, I had a 12-minute video on, uh, on Medicare for All explained almost perfectly, but I am not going to have the time to play that video. So what I'll do is I'll play the Liz Cheney video that I was supposed to play yesterday. Uh, oh, we got it. It seems like a call is coming in. So I'll, I'll wait on playing that video for that call that just came in. And give us a call, folks. We still have some time. 713-526-5738. Extension number two to get on air right away. 713-526-5738. Uh, don't be fearful. We love people here. So let's go ahead and go to Pat. Come on in, Pat. Hello. Hello. Uh, I've been listening. I've been listening to uh, both you guys uh, talking about uh, this affirmative action. Uh, uh, the thing that gets me is he hadn't brought up anything about why did we have to have affirmative action? I, I mean, if, if the government hadn't done that, we'd still be like. Uh, back in the 1900s. Well, you know, Pat, if I fail to say why we had affirmative action, that's on me. Uh, I, 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 I was hoping that with the explanation that I gave that it were, it were implied, but we have affirmative action because of the years that people of color were not, were not able to partake in in all the in the workforce and everything else in this country, so um, uh, that the the, re the reasons that we needed affirmative action is simple, right? It's simple. We had discrimination where others weren't allowed into the system. The resolution for that, for those who had nothing to do with it, for others, etc. Now that's a different ball game altogether. Thank you, Pat, for giving us a call. The phones are starting to light up. Let's go to uh, Bard. Right now, uh, let's go ahead and go to Bard. Bard, come on in. Yes, I just called so you wouldn't play that Medicare for All video or the Liz Cheney video. So thank goodness I called in. But uh, reparations, affirmative action, we don't need none of it. Okay. Make your Everybody point. Equal, like you said, you have an equal chance. Uh, stop relying on the government. 
Stop waiting on a check. Go out and work for it. Can I ask you a question, Bart? Sure. Uh, do you think that uh, everybody had equal access to success as you did? Yes. Okay. That that well, you know, if if you honestly believe that, then you you then watch your, the statement that you just made. I can understand why you made that statement. But right now, the subject doesn't cover everybody. Go out and work, and we don't need any of that. So um, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to ask you one big favor. I want you to keep listening to the program because I will take up that issue as to whether we all had equal access to success on another, on another program. So we'll talk another time. Okay. It's a free country, even though it's a third world country now with the uh, elections. All right. But thank you very much, Bard. We'll talk a little bit later. Let's go to Lade, Lade, L-A-D-E. Come on in, Lade. How's it going? I'm doing fine. Talk to me, sir. Good. Uh, I was calling. Um, you know, I grew up with blinders on. Uh, I grew up in a rural southeast Texas county. And, um, I mean, we're still segregated. And um, um, it, it's funny listening to talk about everybody has, like, an equal chance. I work with uh, disenfranchised youth. And, um, and, and their families and all that. And while I'm, I don't believe necessarily in, in, in cash reparations. Um, I believe that there's other ways in which we could get reparations, um, to them, um, to help them succeed and do better. Um, uh, but it, you know, it's humorous uh, listening to, uh, rural, um, Southeast Texans talk about white Southeast Texans talk about reparations. They, they lose their mind. Right. So, uh, I, um, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tricky subject. But, uh, Laid, let me just tell you this because I'm going to have to run to the calls are starting to come in. Now, I, it's probably my fault that I didn't get earlier, get, you know, urge people to call earlier. But anyhow, uh, we need to do a lot of, uh, we need to do a lot of talking on that subject because I understand a lot of rural folks when, they, you know, their thought process and their thought process didn't generate with themselves. It generated with what the system did to them. And the idea is after you once been educated as to the things that you've learned after you took your blinders off, what we have to do is try to take the blinders off of others. And believe it or not, you laid are instrumental in doing that. The mere fact that you just made this call is instrumental in doing that. So thank you for making that call, sir. Well, thank you for what you do. Have a wonderful day. Let's go to Roberto, numero seis. Come on in, Roberto. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning, everybody. Buenos dias. Buenos dias a todo el mundo. But first and all, uh, Egberto, first of all, I, I want to congratulate you for you to even have this topic because this topic is so meaningful uh, for everybody, especially the minorities and other cultures and everything like that. First, um, we are living in a systemic uh, world, especially here in the U.S. of A, that we live under these uh, old uh, segregation laws and everything like that with, 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 the, with the progress trying to make a change. Uh, I'm seeing this thing going even, 
even from day one when I first put my feet on this soil here in the great of USA. Uh, it is a big challenge. Uh, one thing that I see all the time is that even with other uh, cultures, especially since I'm a Black Panamanian, uh, I'm going to speak for myself here. Uh, working in a firm, especially in a white predominantly force, it's always that the fact that we, and I'm saying me as a person, we have to continuously trying to prove that not only that we are intelligent, not only that we are capable of even doing a job, and but, and and most of it that you will find is that uh, us as being black, we are ex- doing the job more extremely better than most of the white folks. That Roberto, I, Roberto, that is some of the stuff that I really was trying to put out there, but uh, Howard just sent me the two-minute warning, so I have one other call that I have to take, but what you're saying is prescient. Okay. Let's, let's, we're going to keep this subject going and having you calling again, brother, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this topic can, can really Thank you so kindly. Much, much. It's so much on my chest that I would like to... I know. Uh, uh, we, we'll uh, talk... Uh, Again, again, we'll talk. I got to run to Rafael. Rafael, come on in real quickly. Rafael, you got 30 seconds. Real quick. Uh, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, earlier you asked uh, another gentleman about pulling yourself up by the bootstrap. I come from Hidalgo County, one of the poorest counties in the country, and um, I had a you know, single mother. And there's a lot of issues that, that could have held me back, but I didn't look, I didn't focus on that. I joined the, the military. Um, I didn't even have boots to, to pull up. You know, they issued me boots. And once I got out, I applied myself to, to pull myself out of poverty. So, yeah, you can if you apply yourself. But right now, a lot of people don't want to apply for it apply themselves they want to wait for a check or a card or snap or whatever okay rafael i gotta go and i hear you i honestly hear you i honestly hear you we're going to i'm going to have to open this subject up again uh, and i want you to call back when i open it again and finish your thought okay but we are going to discuss that thank you very much rafael uh anyhow folks uh i want let let me just give howard howard 15 seconds and van weber 15 seconds and we got to get out of here an absolutely great program today. Uh, I think everybody's going to walk away with the even better understanding of things and how they work. Go ahead. Van Beber, Race 10 seconds. It's about divide and conquer, just the same as sexism is. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, everybody. folks, look, look, thank you so kindly for listening to this. We're going to continue this discussion. My name is Egberto Willis. Thanks to Van Beber and Howard Reynolds in the studio. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead. Number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.